Welcome back to another episode of Louisiana Ladies. My name is Melissa Torito. And I am Maggie Robinson. And this is a podcast with with no no agenda. We would love if you guys would subscribe to the podcast and that way you never miss a new episode. Additionally, when you subscribe, if you could rate and review, we would really appreciate that as well. We are also on social media, both Instagram and Facebook, so please give us a follow at Louisiana Ladies Podcast. And Maggie? You can reach us at our email address, louisianaladiespodcast at gmail.com. And we're back. Another episode of Louisiana Ladies. Um, The sun is actually shining today, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) says our guest. Mm -hmm. Maggie, we're going to go ahead and introduce our guest. Will you please do that? Do the honors. Our wonderful guest today is Jim Erdialis. Correct. From Mestizo Restaurant. Founder of Mestizos. Mm -hmm. Owner of Mestizos. Correct. There all the time. Everything, all the above. All of the above. So... We're going to get into just a very short opening segment, but I do want to let the audience know that when we are recording this, this is the two days after the torrential downpour that we had. And Jim, talk about a good freaking sport because your restaurant flooded. Yes. For the... Fourth time. Fourth time. In five years. In five years. Right? It rains (laughs) a little bit and Mestizos goes under. But I told Lainey, I was like... If anybody can can get this back and turn around quickly, mm-hmm. it's Jim. Oh yeah, he's here and he doesn't look stressed. You don't look stressed. I had a great night's sleep. Had a great dinner at uh, Beau Slay last night. Oh. I saw some friends and so I was like, well, damn, there is some silver lining to this. I actually got to have dinner at a, a restaurant. So oh, that's true because you're probably yeah, at your I'm, restaurant. I'm all usually the working. Time. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to talk about that whenever in just a minute. So um, we're going to go ahead and go right into the word of the episode and um, word of the episode. Word up. Maggie, again. Look, Maggie, I'm giving you all the opportunities to talk today. Yeah, I need some pronunciation for this. Um, Blythesome? Lainey, is that how you say it? I I think so. (laughs) With lightheartedness or unconcern. Mary. Oh, Jim's looking kind of merry today. Is that describing Jim? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whenever Lainey said that Jim was still going to come in and and record, I was like, I would not. (laughs) I would have been like, no, I'm too stressed out. So um, we do appreciate that. And then book club update. All right. So this one is coming out. um, Lordy, I've already lost track of time. Coming out on May 24th. Thank you, Lainey. Uh, So the two books for the month of June, and you don't have to read both of them. You don't even have to read either one, but we decided to give people the option. First one is Daisy Jones and the Six. And I actually have already read this book. It is an interesting read. It is by Taylor Jenkins Reid. R-E-I-D, not R-E-A-D, okay? And it's really, it's just written in a different format, and it's basically, it says, a gripping novel about the whirlwind rise of an iconic 1970s rock group and their beautiful lead singer, revealing the mystery behind their infamous breakup. And so, I don't know how to say is the best way it's written, but it's like, it's almost like a screenplay, 
is the best way that I can put it. Like it'll be like Daisy and then it's just quotes and then it, that's how it's written. So mm. some people, we read this in a book club a couple of years ago. Some people liked it. Some people didn't because it is a little different. But guys, y'all know I go by Goodreads a lot. It's got 347,000 ratings at a 4.20. So it is in my greater than four um, stars. So that's the first one. The second one is people we meet on vacation, and I think that this would be a good little summer beach read. This one's by Emily Henry, and it says, two best friends, 10 summer trips, one last chance to fall in love. Aww. Aww. Great beach read. (laughs) So this this one just came out, actually. It was published on... Uh, May 11th. So earlier this month, it has 4.36 stars on Goodreads and about 17,500 ratings. So um, I'm going to the beach, speaking of people we meet on vacation, and I'm going to read this book. Maggie, are you going to read the book? Probably not. I am. Are we still trying to get through the Goon Squad? Yes, we are. We might need it's, to. We might need to stop. It's do, no. I'm not. A, I don't want to quit. Okay. I don't want to quit on it. It's due at the library this Friday, so I'm going to knock it out this week. I mean, I have to because yeah. I have to return my return the library book. Are you reading it on a e device or like the actual book? No book. Okay, I, I checked have, it out. I have a trick for if anybody has a Kindle on how to extend the the loan. Oh, <laughs> you turn off your Wi Fi. Oh, the Kindle. <laughs> Thank you, Megan Stram. She's and it's not due anymore. I mean, it's still due, but as long as you don't turn the Wi Fi back on, it can't. It's not syncing. Oh. Wow. But it, but somebody else can check it out, so you're not holding it up. It's just on your Kindle, and it just hasn't. It's not syncing. Okay, you're looking at me funny, Megan. Well, let me have, know if that's wrong. But I it's working for me. But I mean, it makes sense. It can't like send the signal back to say that you still have it. So, do y'all remember when we had Michelle Bolda on, and we talked about our favorite books, and she said Middlesex by somebody. So I don't love it. I don't think Michelle Bolda and I have the same taste in books. Sorry, Michelle. I'm trying to get through it. But I really think it's a really well-written book. I'm just not smart enough to read well-written books. I need, again, Bridget Jones' Diary, that kind of stuff. Um, And then the other book, I'd be curious to know, can we do a poll on The Secret Life of Addie LaRue? Yeah. See if anybody actually read it and if they liked it. That was uh, probably wasn't a winner to start off, but it was was pretty good. Um, Just not an easy read. Okay. You ready? (laughs) (laughs) We're trying a new thing, Jim, where we don't ramble on. Okay. And so, Lainey, I'm looking at Lainey to give me signals for the times that she's just looking at me. All right, Jim, so let's talk about you. Okay. Again, thank you so much for being here. I am a big fan of Mestizos. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like the Mexican is somewhat traditional but somewhat unique. Mm -hmm. Would you say that? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We just celebrated our 22nd anniversary and I update the menu pretty much every January. Okay. So I just released my 22nd menu. So each menu has what I call an evolution. Oh. And so what I try and do is I tell the story that the Mestizo menu, to me, tells what true authentic Mexican cuisine is. And part of that is Tex-Mex, which most people are familiar with. So in that story on my menu is showcasing that Mexican cuisine is clean, is healthy, mm-hmm. is vegetarian, is gourmet, it's street food, it's tacos, it's Tex-Mex, um, it's tapas. It's a lot of beautiful things that a lot of restaurants don't tackle. So um, I would love to say that was my original intent um, when I started, but I just like the fact that each menu 
starts a discussion about what Mexican food is. And it's just, it's very diverse and it's beautiful. And I think when people, most people trying to be a healthier lifestyle, whether they're on a diet or they're just trying to eat cleaner, they seem to think Mexican can't be that. Mm. And because most restaurants kind of, if you think about some of the combination plates of the restaurants, it's beans and it's rice and it's a lot of cheese. And it's, you know, there's a lot more to Mexican cuisine than just that. So any diet I've ever been on, I've always managed to make room for any type of Mexican. Yeah. But um, I do appreciate the, you know, I think you can tell when you go to your restaurant that y'all, you guys put a lot of thought into your menu. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about one of my favorite dishes in just a little bit. And I'm probably going to get hungry, even though it's like only 930 in the morning. <laughs> okay, so let's back up there. Are you from Baton Rouge? Born and raised in Baton Rouge. Really? Yes. A real Louisiana lad. I'm Baton Rouge, born and bred. Okay, so did you... Go to culinary school? Like, how does this happen? Can well, you walk me through your life? <laughs> so, I'm a, a third generation restaurateur. So, restaurateur. Um, restaurateur. God, that sounds so much better so, than a CPA. It's way, it sounds way more glamorous than my life really is. Um, but in a nutshell, my grandfather came over from Mexico and the entire family went to Fort Worth, Texas. But my grandfather moved to um, Lake Charles. And that was when all the plants were just opening in the 40s. And so he opened the first Mexican restaurant um, in Lake Charles and had four children with his first wife. And she passed away fairly young. And all four of those kids eventually went on to have restaurants. So one of my aunts ran uh, El Rio in Lake Charles till about 1980. Uh, My dad, when he left, he moved to Lafayette. Okay. where my other aunt had a restaurant, Spanish Villa, for a long time. And my dad was just trying to figure out his world or his new world, what he wanted to do. And that's where he met my mother, which is the Cajun half of the equation. So okay. on my mother's side is a Bado Trahon Alonglone. Mm. So it's very French on that yeah. part. Awful. And they got married and moved to Baton Rouge. And my parents had Carlos's Mexican restaurant for close to 40... 45 years before he retired, about five years ago. And then and the name of the restaurant was Carlos's? Carlos's. Um, Where was it? On Florida and Airline, right okay. next to Circle Bowl, which just closed right across from Cortana. Yes, I know what you're talking yeah. about. So, but that wasn't a chain. or Like, none of these restaurants were chains. No, it was you guys were, created everything, yeah. had a vision for, okay. Yeah. Just want and, to clarify yeah. that. And my uncle uh, has El Rio Grande on Airline which is the oldest Mexican restaurant in Baton Rouge. Wow. And so um, I grew up cooking, and actually one of the my favorite things about my kitchen is when my dad retired five years ago, I took his stove out of that restaurant, which is the stove that I learned to cook on. So it's a 1964 Vulcan, um, which anybody in the culinary world who knows, is, it's, it's a great piece of uh, cooking equipment. I feel like I've heard that name yeah, before. It's, or maybe it's I'm great, confusing that with Viking. Vulcan and Viking, similar, but okay. um, yeah, it's just a great commercial stove. So um, anyway, I uh, went to LSU, graduated marketing, and had no intent to do this. And my mm-hmm. first job was uh, the Hilton in New Orleans mm-hmm. in food and beverage, and probably would have stayed had I hadn't had a midlife crisis at twenty five. And me too. I was like, I need to figure my life out. Me I too. To, I need to figure it all out. This isn't working. <laughs> So I, uh, I put my two weeks in and I moved back and I said, Dad, I don't know what I really want to do yet, but I, I think I may want to just 
give this a try, but I'm just going to give it two years to figure out if this is my happy place. And I said, I'm still going to interview with other places. And that's what I did. I actually interviewed with Cheesecake Factory. And I went through a very long process with that before getting rejected. And um, I wish I would have saved that letter, but I do have the one from Houston's where they declined me. And I framed it because it's like, I can't believe these people are declining me. It's like, I mean, if your program, if your training program is what you say it is, I mean, you have a, a restaurateur who knows this business. And, but that was God's journey was not for me to work for someone else. And I remember the day I was chopping onions in my dad's kitchen and I'm I kind of frustrated because I had my third decline and I just remember I was chopping onions and clear as a bell, God came in my head and says, you're going to open a restaurant and I'll reveal to you later why. So my dad comes in and says, what's going on, son? I said, well, I think I'm opening a restaurant. He goes, what made you decide? I said, God just told me. He's like, well... I guess you're opening a restaurant. And so started the journey of Mestizo. And uh, what was funny about it was Mestizo came from a history book at LSU. You know, because Mestizo is a Spanish word that means of mixed blood, two cultures. So all Mexicans are a Mestizo, a blend of European and you know, indigenous Indian blood. So I thought that was an interesting take. And so started the Mestizo Louisiana Mexican cuisine was the story I wanted to tell. And so um, I opened up on Sherwood Forest, March 1st of 1999. I had $75,000, which at the time is was a lot of money, because if you don't have $75,000, that's a lot of money. And I opened it up and paid my loans off probably before the first year. We were able to buy that location from the owner by the end of the second year. And I remember that first loan. It's like two hundred and eighty thousand for the for the building for the building. Okay, and I remember thinking, man, that's a lot of money. If I fail, it's a lot of money to owe. And uh, but about three or four years into the business, um, I realized that what I I started to see the journey that I could do with this, and I knew that my location wasn't going to sustain me. So I think that's part of um, in an entrepreneur, you need to be able to do analysis of your business. You know, the strengths, the weaknesses, uh, opportunities. Um, you Sounds know, like a SWOT. Like a little SWOT Like a little thing. SWOT yeah. analysis, which is what I did analysis. on my entire team. And yeah. I did one with Lainey. Yeah. <laughs> and I think all, everybody needs to do that. Yeah. So uh, it was evident that we needed to relocate. And so thus started the journey of looking. Um, I was on Sherwood for seven and a half years before we found the old Denny's. Mm-hmm. That it closed. And oh so my God, I think I went there in college. Everybody did. And you were probably sipped up at 2 a.m. Absolutely, I, mean, I was. Any respectable person. I mean, knows. I'm pretty sure I had tortillas and salsa or yeah. something over <laughs> eggs. Yep, it's yeah. all coming back to me now. Yeah. And so we took on that loan. And that was, uh, I remember pitching this, and no bank wanted to touch a restaurant at that time. And, um, so at the point, at that time, it was Red River Bank, and they had my loan for the property. And they were like, I mean, you've got assets. We can we can fund this. So I was pre-approved for a $400,000 budget. And again, I'll just bring that up because when you don't have that kind of money, it's a lot of money. And then all of a sudden, you realize, okay, it's just this part of the journey you do. And uh, so we're moving forward, negotiating. I'm having to negotiate a long-term lease with Denny's. So uh, that took a while. Denny's was a franchise, though, It was right? a franchise, okay. but that one was a, a corporate-owned. Okay. So I was having to deal with the corporate office to negotiate this lease. So um, 
And funny enough, when I called the owner of the property, uh, it was Mr. Buddy Tudor up in Alexandria. And as we're talking about it, he says, do you know who I am? I said, no, sir. He says, why don't you ask your father? I said, okay. So after I got off the phone, called dad. And he's like, yeah, he goes, Jim, you used to wait on him every Friday night he was in town. Um, and I was like, okay. So, I mean, it wasn't two years later, I finally get to physically see Buddy. And as soon as he comes in the restaurant, I went, oh, my God. He used to sit at table seven. He would sit with his wife. And I knew exactly what he ordered because as a server, I was familiar with, I always saw plates of food in front of people. I knew what they ordered. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of meant to be. But to back up, that um, Katrina happened, which basically destroyed my $400,000 budget. And I had signed off on right at an $800,000 loan for the remodel of, of that Denny's. And my one and only tattoo is my Mestizo M on my arm. Because the day I signed that paperwork, I went and says, you are never going to forget this journey. This, this is a lot of money. And I'd done a true business plan, and the plan was not for that amount of uh, debt. And I remember the first 30 days we opened, I remember thinking, I'm going to fail miserably. This is going to just not be good. And... So we made it to the end of the year, and then next thing I know, we're celebrating the first anniversary on Acadian. And I was like, well, we'll throw a party, but I know I'm not going to be here next year. This is just no way. So then also we trunk, you know, make it to the second year on that location. And I said, well, I guess we'll do another party, but I don't think we'll be here for the third year. And I remember every year in the back of my head thinking, man, when is this just going to be, when am I going to give up on this? Like, this is the debt, you know, in your business, and it doesn't matter what you have to do. I mean, you do have to have financials and you have to have a good CPA that guides you. Um, and, you know, it was always in the back of my head, you've, you're not designed to fail. You're just going to find a way. And I even opened a second restaurant in Prairieville in 09 to 11 called La Mestiza. And it lasted two years. And that was right after the financial crisis. And um, it just was the bad time. It was bad timing. So I took on that debt on top of the debt I had, and I just, that's what I opened on Sundays. I said, well, we're just going to dig deep, and then we'll just figure it out at some point. And I remember, gosh, it was probably about five or six years of doing this. Okay, and I'm sitting with my CPA, and I said, this is absolutely insane that I'm working this hard, and I'm not getting to the other side. And and I proudly say this, that I we made the decision to bring the business through reorganization. And it was a very big ego bust for me because mm-hmm. in, in my back of my head, I'm thinking this is admitting failure. And in essence, it was the, the smart and the best thing to do for the business. And we were able to clean up the debt. We got everything paid off in, in the time that we did. And it allowed me to breathe and actually start looking at my business from a different perspective. And one of the best piece of advice that someone ever gave me is it's very hard to see the big picture when you're in the picture. Absolutely. And exactly what the CPA should do is make you, force you to look at the whole financial picture and have a plan. And it's so tough because, you know, now after what, four floods and, you know, I've been through many trials. But and the, COVID. And COVID. Yeah. COVID. Yeah, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's always obstacles for every business. And so um, I always preach to people, I said, this has not been an easy journey, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm, I'm more mature and more, a little wiser, <laughs> a little bit wiser. Um, but, you know, this, if you find your passion and you do what you love, it, it, it really doesn't become work. And I know that sounds cliche. And to even back up one point, um, 
if y'all recall, right before the 2016 flood, we had the uh, police shooting. Mm-hmm. And so it was a Sunday, and I'll never forget it. And I'm watching, I will never forget that day. Either. It was horrible. And yeah. I'm watching this, and I'm like, I can't believe this is happening in my hometown. And so I'm sitting there, and we're dead because everybody's focused on the TV. I can't believe this is happening. I, and city. I don't think people wanted to leave their house. They I didn't. did not want to leave my house that yeah. day. I was just was like, just it, it, it kind of reminded me not to. I think I said this on another podcast. So when 9-11 happened, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe this that was that happening. was actually happening. And I know this was on a, you know, lives are still lost, but in terms of the number, mm-hmm. it was on a little bit smaller scale. But I mean, I just, I could, I didn't leave my TV yeah. that entire day yeah. thinking yeah. this is not happening. And not happening in Baton Rouge. It's not happening. Yeah. And so, um, that was right when I guess the social media thing was really starting to take some time or take off. So I did a post and I said, I'm going to challenge my, fellow restaurant tours to let's create an event to raise money for these families of these three police officers that were shot. And I just remember I was so down about it. And so I did a post. So I went home to take a nap. I was like, well, I'm going to take a break. And I wasn't even down for like 10 minutes and my phone blows up and it was like, um, it was a TV reporter and he saw my post. He says, Hey, can I go do a quick interview with you? And I said, about what? He goes, your post. I said, what about, he goes, are you sleepy? I said, yes. He goes, this thing has just gone viral. Like you need to get up. <laughs> and so I opened it up and I mean, it's, it blew up and I'm like, Oh my God, this is crazy. So the next day I go to work and I have to do a little investigating to figure out, okay, one's a Baton Rouge police. I remember correctly. And two were state police mm-hmm. and it's a whole different thing. And I didn't want to get caught up into the handling money. And it became this big thing. And if you remember, it was called the 25% on the 25th. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a big movement that happened. And, by that on that 25th we basically raised with the honest contribution of the restaurants we went through um brac they handled the money um roughly two hundred and fifty thousand was raised that day wow and it was one of my single busiest days i've ever had and the next day i'm sitting there and i'm i, <clears throat> I do get emotional when i say this because it was the day that god revealed to me why he brought me through wow. this journey and because you can't pull an action like that without having earned the respect from other people who want to do that. So I think when that journey was revealed to me, I'm like, wow, that's why you brought me through this. And so anybody of faith knows that God's going to always bring you through tough times, but he's building you up for something really great. And so, you know, I sit here and know that I've worked hard, but God has blessed me immensely. And even after, you know, like we were joking early about four floods, I mean, this is spilt milk for me. I mean, I'm going to pick my you know big boy up and we're going to go back to work. And then we're going to be cooking food and I'm doing the work that God meant me to do in the service. So I feel very blessed and honored for that. So it's kind of when you when you brought up faith in God, I was kind of thinking this morning, you know, especially when it comes to natural disasters, mm-hmm. I feel like nothing is more evident that we have no control, that we are not in control yeah. than something like a like a a flood or a natural disaster. I mean, when water starts to just get into your restaurant Mm -hmm. or your, or your residence and you have no control, it's, I I am a control freak. So that would literally (laughs) drive me insane, even though I know that I'm ultimately not in control. So, um, yes, I was going to say, it does seem like you do have a pretty strong faith Mm -hmm. and have continued that along your journey. Um, but I have a lot of questions. Do you have any questions off the top of your head, Maggie? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could talk to Jim all day. <laughs> well, so here's here's a couple of things. So you alluded to, and again, these are in no particular order as I'm doodling on my, writing these down on my show flow notes. Uh, 
you know, you talked a lot about business and it seems like you have a business acumen about you, you know, and, and, and I've found that, or it just seems like some restaurants don't necessarily make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure if that's because people are really good at cooking, but maybe they don't know that they need the support. So where did you, where did you learn this business acumen? Um, well, again, like I said, I'm, I'm fortunate. I was raised in this industry, so I, I learned how to cook from my dad. And then I had a marketing degree, so I mean, I did learn, mm-hmm. you know, basics of business in, in LSU. And then I always say, and then one of the, my biggest lessons was working at the Hilton, and um, I worked there for the two years, and that was when the river boats were coming in, and they were changing models. And uh, the one thing I learned from Hilton was the answer was never no. The answer was how quickly can you make it happen? And that was ingrained in anybody that worked there. Like you had to make magic happen regardless. And you just, you had to learn how to call people to make things happen. So that stuck with me. Um, and again, like I said, when I opened my own business, I actually did a full business plan and that was the best class at LSU ever gave me in my education was doing a business plan and actually looking at where are your expenses? This is what you, this is what you need to pay these you know, certain expenses and every location, even when I moved, I had to have a business plan and that told me where I was missing the mark. Um, and again, in, in restaurant industry, you know, people don't realize that the money is flowing out just as fast as it's coming in. And, you know, people say, Oh, this restaurant is a, you know, it's a SAS. They're making all kinds of major money. And, you know, there's a place on Holland road that we all know the story of that. I mean, you're like, this has to be the highest volume restaurant in Baton Rouge. And, you know, it, it, tank because they were not being, you know, they weren't doing their due diligence on the money side. So I do this part of my every morning to check the accounts, see where we're at, see what's, you know, what's about to go out, um, you know, expenses. Uh, I'm very fortunate that we've gotten into a really great position even after COVID. COVID was this weird blessing for us that put the restaurant in a way better financial position. Um, and I probably learned the most about my business last year mm-hmm. than I ever have. But you have to, I think everybody, I don't care if, you know, I always tell, I remember an artist and uh, I was asking her, she was doing a thing at my restaurant. She said, well, I got to have rent. This due next week. I'm just to sell these paintings. And I said, look, how much did this, this, um, what do you call it? Canvas. Pe- canvas calls. Mm-hmm. She's like, five. I only know that because we had yeah. an artist on two weeks ago. Okay. So go ahead. <laughs> so five bucks for your canvas. Okay. How much paint do you think is on this canvas? Yeah. You know, okay. There's about maybe $10. Okay. So that, so how many hours did it take you to paint this? She's like three. So what's your time worth to you? I mean, if you're sitting, what is your time worth? Mm-hmm. And if you don't calculate that and think about that, then if you sell this for less than that, then you made no money. Right. And I said, you have to always think about what your cost is and what your time is worth. That's what people are paying for. You know, art is subjective. You know, it evokes an emotion, but you still, as an artist, you're putting your time, your energy. So that has to be a value of something to you. And you have to understand that to not, you know, go broke. And I think that's why a lot of artists, they're creative, but they don't have that financial understanding. So I think regardless of what you do, you have to pay attention to where the numbers are at. You know, for us, it's labor and food costs. But every business has that. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's. So we're in accounting, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the business aspect isn't very challenging for us because we are accountants. But right. I think where it is challenging is just every other type of business out there. Mm-hmm. Restaurants, artists, 
boutiques, you know, and I feel like, you know, they're really business owners are really good at what they do, Mm -hmm. but just because somebody appears profitable doesn't mean that they are profitable and doesn't necessarily mean that the business is going, that is going to sustain, you know? So, um, okay. So my other question is, why do you think people love Mestizos? Hmm. Um, I do think the restaurant is unique and special, A, um, because I think our menu is so unique and different. Um, uh, B, like I said, I'm I'm very fortunate that I've been involved in the community for a long time. Uh, I just think it's something any business owner should be. Uh, There's an obligation you have to, you know, I chose to live and breathe and invest my money in Baton Rouge. And, you know, it's, I think there's any, regardless of where you live, you can have a love-hate relationship with, with wherever you stay. But, you know, being from here and, you know, I'm sure we could have a whole other podcast on, you know, traffic in Baton Rouge. And this has been discussion for, you know, as long as I can recall. And, you know, but it's, you. Ch- I choose to live here. I love this city. I love this state. Um, I think one of the things people discount when they talk about Louisiana is, um, especially when I travel doing culinary trips and everybody's like, oh, Louisiana people y'all are dumb and backwards. And I said, well, it's so funny. I love to come enjoy our culture. Yes. <laughs> and y'all really love to come enjoy our cuisine. And I said, you know, if you really think about it, where else in the United States do you have a cuisine and a culture that's so specific to who we are? There's no other part of the country that has what we have. And so I think understanding those blessings that we have here, even with the weather and traffic and everything else, we, we have a, a beautiful city. We have a beautiful state and there's a lot of beautiful people here. So um, I guess around back is, is I'm very fortunate that I've been very involved in the community. Um, I've nurtured a lot of really great relationships with people. Um, I think people see my work ethic and they know that I care. Um, I guarantee you whether it's Laney or you, I'm sure you've been in the restaurant and maybe we were backed up or maybe, maybe the plate wasn't as hot or didn't taste as great or fresh that day. But I think when people see me and my staff and they know that we're working as hard as we can, um, sometimes they give us a little, okay, I see they're at least trying, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing the thing. But, um, I think the number one thing is we, I do a lot of work to make sure that the menu stays fresh and current. I mean, we're doing things that no one else is really doing in Baton Rouge and in the Mexican Sea. So, um, example is the keto. I mean, no one has a full keto cocktail menu, keto desserts, appetizers, everything. I'm thrilled for that. (laughs) So, okay. So, the other one of the items that I love the most, and I'm going to probably, it's like the chicken fajita cauliflower bowl. Is Mm -hmm. that what it's called? Mm -hmm. I don't feel like it's called that. It's called the cauliflower bowl. But, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way I can so recreate good. that. And then Lainey's like, I think you can get it and you can make it at home or the cauliflower at home yeah, or something like that. You can get the meal prep. You can get the meal prep. You can get the meal prep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, though, Jim, you know, not, y'all's food is fantastic. And, I mean, everybody here knows that Melissa Torita loves a cocktail, loves wine. But, like, y'all's marks mm-hmm. are on point. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we do a service luncheon. And we started doing it over with you guys, mm-hmm. the firm, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just love it. We love that area that you have. And I just, when we had our women's initiative a couple of weeks ago, one of the reasons why I think people like coming there is because of you mm-hmm. well, and because of your, mm-hmm. because of your employees and oh. they're, they're great and mm-hmm. they're very friendly and, and don't, I'm not discrediting the food. Yeah. The food is fantastic, but you get that whole other experience. Like I feel like you walk into your restaurant 
and you're not bothering anyone, mm-hmm. like the customer. You know how sometimes you walk into restaurants and they're like, okay, table for two. Okay, let me, you know, let me rush over here. I don't feel like y'all have that. Um, y'all just have a very relaxed and friendly ambiance, mm-hmm. like kind of like cheers, you know, the yeah. bar cheers. That's how I feel. That's how I feel like it is. And Lainey, I mean, you worked there. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I think it's culture over. I mean, the food is awesome, but it's, it's you. People come in there. I mean, when I hosted every night, people would say, I know Jim. I'm here for Jim. I'm like, I know him too. Yeah. I'm a, I was about to be like, so, you know, you're kind of a hot. FOJs. Friends of Jim. Yes. You're a hot commodity. I'm like, um, I know Jim too. Yeah. Okay. In fact, now I'm going to be like, um, he was on my podcast. Yeah. All right. So Brett Talbot's one of our clients yeah. or whatever. And so he, he actually lives a couple of blocks from me now, mm-hmm. which, you know, I love that Mestizos is like right around the corner yeah. from me. So I never have to um, worry about that. But uh, I do think when you have an owner and a founder of a restaurant that as is as genuine and authentic as you are, yeah. that makes a difference, mm-hmm. especially in Baton Rouge. Cause like yeah. you said, and in Louisiana, I was on a podcast last week and it was like, what do you like about Baton Rouge? And I'm like, honestly, the people, mm-hmm. I mean, I like the food and I like the culture and like, I feel sorry for people that don't know anything about crawfish. Like you're really missing out. Okay. But, um, I think that it's just fantastic. And, uh, you're clearly resilient. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That was going to be my question for you, Jim. You talk about how you're having these parties and you're celebrating another year and, and you still had that doubt in the back of your mind. How did you, I mean, how did you trumple through that? I, I just, you know, really, and I, I go back to my faith. I said, there's no reason God would have brought me to this journey to let me fail. I just knew he wouldn't. And again, I'm not trying to preach. I, I am not a, I'm not a, uh, I'm a spiritual person, yeah. I will say. And I just, I have my faith and my belief. And it just, I feel like, okay, I'm going to make, I have to. There's just no other option. I have a story. I'm a third generation. I can't, I can't fail. And you just have to dig deep. I mean, I think strong, when I meet strong people in any field, I can feel that energy from them. And I know that they have been through that and trampled through and, and done that journey as well. And I just think it's, it's interesting when you, you learn to dig deep, <laughs> really deep in your heart and your soul to, to get out of a, a bad spot. And so, uh, you know, I, one of my chef friends, uh, he came to my restaurant a couple of weeks, months ago, I guess. I, and, uh, and he's kind of the hot guy right now. And he's doing some beautiful stuff at his restaurant. And he's like, man, I just saw you about to celebrate your 22nd anniversary. He said, yeah. He goes, that's really impressive. He goes, and it, I thought this was a really, this compliment really stayed with me. He said, anybody can be a hot chef for a minute, mm-hmm. but to sustain 22 years is a big deal. And I said, huh, that's a, that's a great point. I said, and that's probably one of the best compliments I've ever received. And I said, thank you. Because you're kind of the hot guy right now doing some beautiful stuff. And I said, that's really nice. And I said, you know, I don't, I have a sense of creativity, but I'm, I'm a person who maybe like going back to what you're saying, I don't really read books, but I read cookbooks. I read recipes. Um, I, I, you know, I create these dishes because I'm looking for something to challenge me. And so my book club would be all cookbooks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe we'll do that. Yeah. I mean, so. I read cookbooks too, but I can't, I'm not a great cook. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm probably not giving myself enough credit. I mean, I can read a recipe and cook it, but I can't like, I wouldn't be like, Oh, let me create this menu, you yeah. know, and some sort of palette or something like that. Um, so I, that's why, but I also love food. So yeah. I love that people can do that. So, um, yeah. So you mentioned one of your restaurant friends, you know, so I guess, 
you know, do you feel like even though you're in that restaurant business that is competitive, I'm assuming, mm-hmm. you know, do you have contacts at other restaurants and you all kind of support each other? Yeah. Do you feel I, like that? Let me tell you, I have served on many boards. And um, one of the things I, I think is special about Baton Rouge is compared to like something like New Orleans where those most of those restaurant owners know each other as well. They're super competitive. And I love the friendship. I mean, all my best friends are in the industry. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I'm also the president of the Baton Rouge Epicurean Society this year. So it's a group of mm-hmm. restaurants, professionals, and we all drink together. On Mondays, uh, I'm going to give a plug for Gino. Um, Monday afternoon, it's it's full of restaurant people and wine reps. And we kind of, it's just kind of understood if you want to come chill out, relax, bring a bottle. We eat together, we break bread, we talk about, you know, oh my God, can you believe we we had to go through Mother's Day and LSU and St. God one week and we'll just kind of like just talk about the craziness and, um, but yeah, I mean, all my really close friends are all in the industry and because we have a different lifestyle, I mean, I can't even fathom a 40 hour work week and I can't even fathom having Friday and Saturday off and I'll share this one little story with you. I remember when we closed from Sherwood and we moved to Acadia, we were closed for eight days. And I'll never forget, I went to dinner at Tsunami. And Leah, at the time when she was there, she's like, she saw me and she goes, Oh my God, Jim, why don't you call and tell me? I ought to, you know, save you a table. I said, No, I want to wait. I've never done this. And I'll be <laughs> honest with you, at that time, I was 36 years old. And that was the very first time in my entire life, my entire life, I had a Friday night off in Baton Rouge. I had never, because I was raised in a restaurant. Yeah. So I've always worked. I mean, I've been on vacation on a Friday, but I had never had a Friday night off and dined in a, or another restaurant. I just remember going, wow, this is nice. Look at everybody, they're so social. <laughs> like, look at what everybody else is doing. <laughs> yeah, this is great. And, I said, and then she was like, and I said, I want to wait. I just want to have the experience like anybody else, you know? And, cool. you know, Lane will tell you, I mean, I live at the restaurant. And so, um, you know, it's just, I love what I do though. So um, it's not really that much. I mean, it's exhausting what I do, but, um, I'm fortunate that I really enjoy it. Okay. So that kind of dovetails into what my next question was going to be. And it was, you know, I don't know if you are, if you have a typical day, but I guess walk us through, like mm-hmm. what time do you get there? So, uh, one of the things I've learned for me, uh, is I have to work out in the mornings if I'm going to work out. Me so too. yeah, just get it over with. Jim, we are so much alike. We are kindred spirits. <laughs> <laughs> so I do my workouts usually, uh, about 8.15 and done by 9. And then I try and get to the restaurant around 9.30. And really the first thing is we go to the business account and we check and see where we're at. And then it's about thinking about the week, where we're at. Um, usually on Monday, I'm kind of setting a t- typical budget for the week so we can understand how we're going to order, what we're going to bring in. Um, and then I check my personal accounts. So I go through that. And then actually the one of the third things I do is I go to Facebook and I see whose birthday it is. And I usually wish them a happy birthday from Mestizo. So they hopefully will think about being at my restaurant mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. Part of my social media. And, you know, and then then we start to start thinking about what the special is for the day. And we go and, uh, you know, usually there's running errands to pick us up for the restaurant. And, you know, there's the lunch. Boom. And then I try my very best to take out between two and four. I try so hard. 
But a lot of days that doesn't happen. And so uh, I'll get pulled and staying all day. And so I, right now I'm, I'm currently working doubles seven days a week because we're a little short staffed. And so um, it will be nice when I can fully staff the kitchen that I can have uh, half days off. And I don't, I don't really take full days off. I take a little half days off here. Okay. Well, that's what I was going to ask. But yeah, it's right now it's fully seven days. Um, but I carve out time and... One of the things that's funny is uh, just being raised in the restaurant, I'm conditioned to eat at 10.45 a.m. and 4.30. I'm just routine. And anybody knows I'm going to sit down with my glass of wine. I'm going to have my salmon at 4.30. Um, and it's just part of my routine. I just uh, You have to be regimented to do this as well because, I mean, it's every day is different. But you have to have a, a thought process about carving out what time you want to eat. Because I don't like to eat late at night. I remember when I used to wait tables. So I, I waited tables for, well, actually, when I was in high school, I, I don't want to say opened, but I was one of the first staff at uh, Bennigan's by the new mall that's uh -huh. no longer there. Yes. I was a hostess with the mostest. Uh-huh. So that was an interesting experience, you know, me being in high school <laughs> and, you know, how sometimes, you know, the restaurant industry. But um, so I did that and then I ended up like trying to get in college, you know, okay, well, I don't want to work in a restaurant. Let me go back and work, you know, uh, try to a desk job for lack of better mm -hmm. words. And so I just ended up going back to a restaurant. I worked at Dempsey's off of yeah. Horsey Boulevard yeah. for about three or four years. And yeah. I always told people this, like. I personally think that every person in America needs to work in a restaurant yes. for at least a six-month time period, okay? <laughs> it teaches you so much. And honestly, like, you can make such a good living doing yeah. that as a waiter. And it was really fun because Dempsey's also had a clientele, and I would still to this day, I'll see people at church yeah. or something, and I'm like, oh, shrimp po' boy with a couple yeah. soup, you know, <laughs> whatever. So um, that I've, I've had a great experience um, doing that, but... Um, what questions do you have, Meg? Well, I asked him. I was like, I just felt for him when he was talking about all that doubt. I'm like, he's having a party. He's <laughs> celebrating. But, and there's the, that doubt. So, I didn't, I'm going to be honest. Like, I kind of felt for you, but I also can, I also know exactly what that feels like. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think everyone can relate to yeah. that. Yes. It's like, you know, focusing on what you're doing it for and keeping your head down and, you know, just silencing those, those doubts. Yeah. And I will tell you, though. The whenever I talk about entrepreneurship, and I've done a lot with LSU um, or different things I've been involved with, I, the one piece of advice I always say is make sure from the very beginning you have a strong relationship with your CPA and a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not conditioned to think that way. And I'm very blessed to have a really strong relationship with my CPA. And I mean so much so that he is part of my... He's in my will. Like I have, you know, had to do update my will along the way. And there has to be a strategy in case something happens to me that the business can still go. Well, my CPA is involved in that process where it can still go on um, without me. And he would guide them through the, the, the journey. Um, you have to have a, a great CPA and lawyer. And some people say bankers, but bankers kind of jump ship a lot. So that is important, but you have got to have, I mean, my CPA is like a strategist for me and he's a sounding board. We can talk about, you know, different things. And like this year I was, you know, we were able to do a 401k match for the employees and I was able to just have a conversation. He explained to me how this works, how it would make this effective, 
he explained to me the benefits of it. Great. Now we can do that. Um, you know who else could explain to you the benefits of that? Uh, who's that? That would be me. <laughs> you. Okay. <laughs> that's good that you're CPA. No, that's you awesome. That. I think that's a great point. And I feel like, you know, uh, CPAs can be seen as, okay, they're doing my taxes mm-hmm. and, you know, they're telling me how much I owe. But really, you know, if you find the right fit, because mm-hmm. look, I mean, we all have different personalities. They, they can really take your business either to the next level, yep. be your sounding board, because the reality is, Nobody can be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You might be an entrepreneur, but you're not doing it by yourself. Right. Right. I always yeah. tell my team that, you know, I'm not do I'm not doing any of this by myself. I've met other people in our industry. I mean, shoot, David Winkler was here last week and I was like, Do you have like an hour to talk to me? I need to <laughs> I need to talk to you, you yeah. know. So I think that's a great point to make. Um, do you ever have customers that aren't satisfied? Uh, yeah. And there's this thing called, uh, Yelp or, uh, what's, what's the other one? But I can't imagine how someone would be satisfied at your restaurant. Ladies. You like, know, oh, did I take them out on? Yeah. yeah. Take no. on you. Were you, were you waiting tables? I was the hostess. The hostess. Okay. She was the hostess with the most. Yeah. Hostess with the mostest. I will say this. This is another point. I wish I thought about this, but, uh, I'll say 10, at least 10 years ago, this food blogger, vegetarian food blogger comes in the restaurant and she rips me i mean she hated everything she hated the colors she hated the menu she hated their food and i remember thinking reading her post and it was it was a long one i mean she really hated me and i sat there and i read it like three times trying to really not get worked up about it right. but actually see if there was any constructive criticism i could take from this and i remember thinking okay well wait a minute first off she's judging me as a vegetarian restaurant which is not what i'm trying to be but at the same time, there was three dishes on the menu. And I said, well, well the server didn't do the job to guide her. I mean, let's ask her questions. Although I think she was being really ridiculous with her post. But it planted a seed in my head. Don't wait for your servers to do their job because sometimes they're not. Mm-hmm. Let the menu tell the story. Let the menu be the storyboard. And that's when I really started paying attention to what I was going to do with the menu and had no clue that we were going to go off and just clean healthy because all of a sudden I just started paying attention to, okay, these are moving. These dishes move. People are looking for this. And that became the journey to start cleaning the menu up and really move into a healthier direction, which is what we've done. And so her awful review totally transformed the way I looked at my restaurant and my business, and it was a learning experience. Yeah, you showed her. I showed her. You showed her. You come and rate me now. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. <laughs> she would actually love it now because it's half. The, I mean, half the menu is clean. Yeah, I, I like. I do like having those options because then I'm like, oh, now I can eat a bunch of chips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and queso. And queso. <laughs> <'Cause> I'm eating keto. <laughs> yes, because I'm eating keto and <laughs> drinking the skinny margarita. Yeah. I don't think I'll call it skinny. skinny. Yeah. Y'all call it skinny margarita? We have a skinny. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. It's one of the better ones yeah. in the city, I have to say. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really all I got. By the time that this is out on May 24th, uh, you will be back open on Monday. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. We'll be open this Friday for sure. I mean, that's like four days. Yeah. It's four days since you had water in your restaurant. Yeah, they're doing, they're cleaning up right now. Two foot of water. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just water. It's like two feet. So yeah. let me ask you this, though. On Monday, when you, you know, we all knew there was going to be a mm-hmm. bunch of rain. And you, I mean, did y'all get stranded at the restaurant? Because, like, part of it came in during dinner time. No. Uh, so I had left. It, we were, we slowed down quite early. So okay. I left a little earlier. And then um, 
my general manager, when she was leaving, she called us. She called us home, and she's like, hey, just left. The rain's coming in, but there wasn't any water in the parking lot. And this is like 945. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, if it's not backing up now, we might be okay. So I kind of fall asleep, and then all of a sudden around midnight, I get a call from Gino. And he's like, Jim, is your restaurant flooded? And I'm like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm sleeping. He's like, I think you might be flooding because I'm flooded over here. So I said, well, Gino's flooding. I'm probably flooding. Gino, like Gino's? Gino's a restaurant. You know, he his, he has that dining room that dips down. Yes. Whenever this, he that floods too. Oh, no. So he was dealing with it. So when I, after he calls, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to get up. So I'm looking at the camera and I went, oh, geez. And you can see it. I put my water boots on and got to the restaurant and went, oh, Lord, it's bad. <laughs> and so we just kind of, you know, took the videos and shot the stuff. And then it we were able to open the door and the water actually started to recede a little bit. And then it just went out. But, of course, it's still all over the place. So you know, I made the calls, got everybody organized for the next day. So, okay, cancel this, cancel this. You get in here, do this. And. You know, after your fourth time, you kind of know what to do. You could probably be like, you could probably do a seminar mm-hmm. for other restaurants. Sure of hey, restaurants, <laughs> this is the steps that you don't panic. Yeah, this is the steps you need to take when your restaurant floods. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah, Think this, is who, this yeah. is who you call. This is who you call. This is who you need to put in place before yeah. you know before something happens. Um, but you said something about your general manager and. See, this is how I take notes, yeah. Jim. Right? Okay, <laughs> all over the place. It's basically how my brain works. I wanted to ask you: Do you have a a management team, like a leadership team, or mm-hmm. is it just you know? So when you said we're gonna we're looking at the numbers, I'm right. assuming you've got managers, GMs, mm-hmm. maybe different roles within the restaurant. Yes. Yeah, so outside of your wait staff. Yeah. So my GM uh, Kendra has been with me nine years. Uh, started as a bartender, and she's absolutely amazing. And when she stepped in the role, I guess about four years ago, um, I really did not know that she was going to become. And such a strong um, person in that role. And she just took it head on. And anybody that has been to my restaurant knows Kendra works her tail off. And she makes my life so much easier. And it's funny because I always say I have a work wife, which is Kendra. And in my role as president of Epicurean, I have a work wife there that who keeps me organized. Because I always jokingly say, I am a unorganized, organized mess. Because I have to change roles so many times and I'm going this direction. I need people to rein me in because I, my brain constantly moves and goes and I'm constantly thinking about different things. And yeah, I mean, kindred spirit. Yeah. Like Maggie can attest that yeah. this is my brain. Yes. Okay. I mean, I have to be reined in because I'll just go. I, I emailed Casey on our team five separate emails last night. Yeah. And then I woke up and I was like, oh, I didn't even realize I emailed him that much. And I talked to him today and I said, sorry, I won't. Because he just stepped into a new leadership role. And I was yeah. like, okay, that's not how it's going to be forever. And he goes, I could tell that your wheels were spinning. You know, it's pretty obvious. So. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. I, I did this tour of a catering facility in Virginia. And this was probably 15 years ago. And a friend set this up. And this lady was, I mean, dynamic in her role. And she gave us an, one hour. And she was like, you've got one hour. And I'm going to show you the whole thing. And, this, and she was regimented. And this was right when the email things was taken off. And she had this rule that stuck with me. She says, I, all my employees know, if you send me an email, it can be no longer than two sentences. The first sentence is the problem. And the second sentence is your recommendation for the solution. solution. And she goes, and that's all I want to hear. Don't give me a, qu- a question without an opportunity for what you're 
thinking is the answer. And I remember thinking, that's an amazing way to think. And I have that with Kendra and now my partner, Wazell, who's part of the management team for catering. They, they basically come to me with solutions. And so we, and what's kind of fun for us right now is when we do these catering jobs, like we moved in, that's a whole nother part of the restaurant. And they will go back and forth about how to do it. And I'm like, no, no, let's rein this in. Sit down. Within 30 minutes, I want this whole thing done. I said, when we sit for catering jobs, I'm always like, what time is the event? How many people do you want um, forks and knives? Okay. That way I already know. So you want a cocktail? You want experience? Do you want to sit down? Let's rein in because that tells you now we go down this road and we don't come back to this road. We go this direction. So I have good people who really work with me. But again, I'm the big organized, organized mess. And those people keep me together. People tell me that I'm, uh, I appear organized. And like, <laughs> I, I literally LOL. I'm like, yeah. that's hilarious. My, yeah. my brain is not organized. Right. But, um, okay, so we are going to wrap up. See, here goes me trying to keep this concise. But, Jim, yeah. you're just so interesting. <laughs> so uh, this might be a loaded question, but, like, mm. do you have a personal life? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> just I have been in a relationship for 15 years, and we have um, we work together and live together and fight together. And, oh, okay. Yeah. So there yeah, you go. It's okay. a beautiful thing. But I'm just thinking about like, if you're working all the time, you know, how does that yeah. work when you said, you know, you don't really get to go yeah. out to eat, but you got to go out to eat last night because yeah. your restaurant was flooded. flooded. Yes. <laughs> Silver lining. All right. So we always end with um, some five awesome questions. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, they're, it sounds way fancier than what they are, but the questions are brought to us by Lainey. She created them oh. today. So would you prefer wine or tequila? Oh, ooh. See, knows you. We had an in. We had an in. Oh, that's tough. Uh, wine. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of the same way. I'm a wine drinker. By the way, y'all do have a Sauvignon Blanc. I don't know if it's Markham. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. Jim, yeah. I saw that on the menu. I was like, I love that wine. Yeah. I don't know why. I just do. Okay. Queso or guacamole? Ooh. Damn. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna have to say guacamole because I eat it every single day. Okay, um, taco or quesadilla? Ooh, quesadilla. Okay, steak or brisket? Ooh, steak. Okay, frozen marg or on the rocks? Ooh, on the rocks. Okay, I'm a frozen marg gal. Yeah. Am I missing out by the rocks? Thing? I just I'm, I'm scared. I'm gonna suck it down too fast. Well, I, I think frozen, you don't always get the true nuances of what's in the cocktail. So a rocks cocktail, you're really you're honing in on the ingredients. Is that why you get it on the rocks? Mm. Yeah, I think Oh, it's okay. Just... Well, we need to go to Mestizo. I'm a recent on the rocks-er. I was always frozen, but trying to be a little healthier now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, on the rocks is healthier than frozen? Uh, it depends. Frozen it, it, depends the same it depends. Thing. It depends on which frozen. one. Yeah, oh, okay. It depends on which one it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're going to wrap up really quick. Thank mm-hmm. you, Jim. I think, I mean, pretty much I feel like people know who you are mm-hmm. and where to find you, but the restaurant is off of Acadian. Yes. <laughs> Right where uh, it has a tendency to flood every once in a while. But we really appreciate your time. Thank you. Cannot express, like, you coming in after dealing with what you've dealt with uh, that week really means a lot. And we're looking forward to our service luncheon in yep. July. Yes. You know, CPA's going yep. wild. Watch <laughs> out, Jim. Watch out. Um, so we always wrap up with a few things that make us happy. Things that make us happy. And Maggie's is a bird feeder. Yeah. So you can watch the birds. I'm I'm a grandma basically. That, Patrick loves his bird feeder. I uh, I ordered a couple things, so I was like, I need to focus on you know 
my happiness. Like I want to find a Zen. Mm -hmm. So I got a hammock and I got a bird feeder and I'm going to, you know, start reading books. But um, we've always said you're an old soul. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like I'm, I have a garden. Like that's where I'm happy. It's like having activities outside. So I got my first bird on my bird feeder. Like they found it within two days. And it it is kind of exciting. It is kind of exciting. Um, I'm going to say the thing that makes us happy is we are heading to the Influential Women in Business luncheon today. Yes. Praise be. I get to go to something. And congratulations to all the uh, fabulous women that were recognized this year. But that I've been pumped about this. I'm going to totally be in my Mm -hmm. element. We need to give a special shout out to our... Yeah, past to our past guest, Vanessa Graham. She is being recognized mm-hmm. today. So, um, but I really do. I like this event a lot. And again, I feel like if my husband was there, he'd be like, Oh yeah, she's in her element. You yeah. know, I, I'm an extroverted extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jim? What makes you happy? Uh, anybody that knows me, my happiness is in my garden. Oh, I spend a lot of time in my garden. How big is your garden? Oh, um, are we going to have like a competition? <laughs> no, mine's not that big. It's, it's it's my entire backyard. Okay. So everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is it doing well this year? Uh, it is because I had to pay some people to come in and clean it up. Okay, because <laughs> mine is not. Mine's on the struggle bus, so I was just wondering if anybody else was having a successful garden. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have a successful garden. Yeah. I moved into a new house, and now I need to. I, I mean, there was landscaping, and now it looks dead. Yeah. So um, we need to work on. So, all right, Jim, thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Thanks to our listeners. Again, follow us on social media. Mestizos has a social media. Go check them out. If you have never been to their restaurant, you are legitimately missing missing out. out. You're missing out. I mean, and I say that wholeheartedly and passionately. And, you know, if anything, go get a margarita over there. Um, But thanks again. We really appreciate it. And I hope everybody has a good week. Bye.